0: Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts. Yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it. Carson Cunningham joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, it's the bye week, and I, I think we need it. Don't you?
1: Yeah, I had a buddy over uh, earlier, and uh, he's a Baylor fan, went to Baylor. He said, who you guys got this week? I said, well, we uh, we got bye, and uh, there's not going <laughs> to be a loss. There's not going to be any Spencer Sanders consternation. So, uh, you know, Mike Gundy said that he wishes they would have it after the third or fourth week just because of how long August is and how long – kind of the lead into the season is, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. Ready to just chill for a weekend.
0: Yeah. I think it comes at a good time for, for the fans. I don't know about the players having to stew on the loss against Texas tech for essentially two weeks. That uh that will not be fun around the uh, the football buildings, but, um, but no, it's, it comes at a good time for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. We got our first five coming up our mid first five, pardon me. Uh, such an elite name, whoever thought of that? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know where I saw it, but it was, it was really good. Uh, let's talk about mid first Carson, you can get an OSU credit card, sign up at midfirst.com slash pistols firing. You get, uh, you might, it might be time to show, to be able to sh- show your school spirit again after that 45 35 loss to tech. Um, you can, uh, you can sign up, earn $150 bonus. You can earn points. There's bursar rewards options. And, uh, there's a special ultimate game day experience, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, but that's midfirst.com slash pistols firing to get your mid first, uh, credit card with, uh, pistol Pete on it. Show your, show your orange and black and, uh, yeah, pretty cool deal that they're offering pistols firing podcast listeners,
0: Did you, uh, did you wear out the bursar when you were in college? Cause as I did,
1: uh, Yeah. Yeah, who didn't? I mean, do you remember at the end of the semester where you'd have like two hundred bucks on it, and you just buy Gatorades for like the next <laughs> yeah. like th- three months?
0: Yeah, you just you do like the the bulk shopping at the very end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's like a Sam's Club in the oh, student yeah. union. No doubt. Oh, that's great. Okay, we got our mid-first five, Carson. We are going to start off. This is something that we're kind of breaking down. Uh, on the website this week. So we're doing position grades. You and I are going to do it a little more broadly. So we're just going to go offensive and defensive grades and then coaching and special teams. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit of homecoming and then end with a little bit of hoops. But first I want to know your grade for the offensive side of the football for the first half of the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, to me, I think they've been as the defense been great in, in in the two losses, no. Did the defense make enough plays to keep them in it for the S- offense to go in the game? I would say yes. And so I think when you when you dissect the red zone issues that they've had, along with the fact that we really just don't know what kind of offense they are because they really just have they've been so vanilla and basically it's been hand the ball off to Chuba or throw it deep to Tywin and hope he just goes up and, and gets it. That's kind of just the gist of the offense to this point of the season. So I, I got to give him a C, and I don't think that's being too harsh. If anything, I think that's being kind for what we expect out of Oklahoma State offensively. I know they have a, a redshirt freshman quarterback who did not play well against Texas Tech, but just overall to this point in the season, I just I've been I've been very just not in, not encouraged by what I've seen offensively. So I would go with C just based on the the lack of identity, the red zone issues, and of course you know, Spencer Sanders hadn't played that well either.
1: Yeah. I'd go B minus, you know, they're 32nd in the nation in terms of points per drive, which kind of surprised me. I thought they'd be more like 50th or 60th. They've been really bad at times, uh, offensively. And I'm with you. I just, the, 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 it'd be different if they were, um, doing sort of the same thing, but with more creativity, with more rhythm, they're, they're, I mean, it's just like if they get taken out of their stuff, they get taken all the way out of it, right? Like we saw that at Tech, they go eight straight drives in the first half, or whatever the number was, without scoring. And it's like, when's the, when, when is the last time that happened? Has that happened uh, since uh, Dana Holgerson took over the offense in 2010? I, I don't know. So I would go B minus because there have been flashes, like the second half against Tulsa was was. uh or was it the first – I can't remember. Was it the first half or the second half against Tulsa that was so good?
0: Well, second half they had the, the long touchdown pass to, um, to tie one. That's right.
1: But, that, but Chuba had that run in the first half. I guess the second half defensive performance was good. Oregon State game was awesome in terms of – and I keep going back to it, Carson. You mentioned it on Monday. I wrote about it a little bit this week. Like, where is that offense? And I get it. Like, they're not going to score that much, right? They're not going to score 52 every game. But the concepts and the rhythm and the flow and doing stuff that's creative with Sanders and with Shuba and with the Cowboy backs and all these different guys, it's just, it's been disappointing. And they have not looked the way that either you wanted them to look or that I thought they were going to look after, um, after the Oregon state game. You know what? I'm changing my grade C plus. They don't, (laughs) they don't deserve a B minus.
0: You, uh, you got the red pen out and, and yeah. docked them as some. Yeah. No, I, I think the book's out a little bit on this offense, that the offensive line has a tough time dealing with the blitz. I think K-State kind of showed that, you know, the first few drives against Kansas State. I think Texas Tech bumped it up a notch at the start of that game as well. They're going to have to learn how to deal with pressure and blitzing, and I think obviously the, the key to that would be rolling Spencer out more, which I'm sure over the bye week they will get to, but – but how about this, Kyle? You, you mentioned the lack of just creativity and imagination, and, and I never advocate for an offense to just run trick plays all the time. I just think that's that's just a lazy way of thinking. But you look at Oklahoma against—they're they're playing Kansas, who they're, they're going to beat no matter what. And Lincoln Riley runs like the Philly special to Jalen Hurts against Kansas. You look at Texas against Oklahoma State; they run. A reverse flea flicker for a touchdown, and then against West Virginia, they run the, the offensive tackle play where the offensive tackle splits out and catches a pass and scores a touchdown. Like they let it all hang out, and it, it just appears like OSU is just holding everything in. And I would just like to see them play a little more freely and, and run a run a trick play every now and then, just to kind of loosen loosen things up. And it really it'll it'll loosen up the defense a little bit because then they get they, they got to be on their on their heels a little bit because. Texas Tech did not play on their heels at all against Oklahoma State because they they could sense that she wasn't really trying to let it all hang out.
1: That gets at one of my least favorite fan takes, which is, oh, they're just keeping it vanilla, so so uh, team next week doesn't see it on film.
0: Yeah, like like Lincoln has Texas next week. He's running the Philly special against Kansas. Like that's just to me that just that shows a little bit of. Looseness and aggressiveness that we just haven't quite seen really from from OSU. And look, I, I get the issues they have with the offensive line. I do. I don't. I don't mean to gloss over that. But it's it's on this coaching staff to to get it fixed and, and figure out how to handle a blitz. That's that's why I gave them a C.
1: If you're Mike Holder and uh, Joe Joe Castiglione calls and says, hey, we'll give you uh, we'll give you Long Kruger and uh, and Lincoln for Gundy and Boynton. <laughs> What would you say if you're, if you're Mike Holder? Uh,
0: well, I think Holder cares most about football, so I think he'd probably take that. I don't know, but I mean, I don't know that that's such a ridiculous question. I don't know. Gundy's a made man. He ain't going anywhere. Oh, I th- even in a trade scenario.
1: <laughs> I think he'd say yes so fast. Uh, okay. <laughs> defensive grades. What do you got for, uh, what do you got for the defensive side?
0: Yeah, I really struggled with this one. I mean, I, I really – I'm going to go B-minus. And before people jump towards their computer screen screaming, <laughs> I, thought, I thought they had some really bad busted coverages against Texas, but I also thought they forced a pick from Sam Ellinger, who never throws interceptions. They got a stop on fourth down, which is a turnover on downs. And really played well enough in the second half to keep them in it. And the offense didn't hold up there into the bargain. Uh, I thought the first half against Tulsa was atrocious, but they pitched a shutout. And in 2019, to pitch a shutout and a half against anybody is playing outstanding. And I thought the performance against Kansas State was the best defensive performance in a single game that I can remember. Maybe dating back to, what, 2013 when they had the best defense in the Big 12? Yeah. So I think, to me, they've had way bigger high points than the offense has to this point. So I have to give them a better grade than I gave the offense. I'll give them a B-. minus.
1: Yeah, I'm going B. I think they've played B football, and I think the frustrating part, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, is that's all you need, right? Or it should be all you need, based on how good your offenses have been, and the offense hasn't taken advantage of it, right? It They had opportunities at Texas. They had all the opportunities at Texas Tech, and you turn it over, you turn it over, you kick field goals, you – Fake field goals and don't get any points out of them. I mean the the, the offense has just botched opportunity after opportunity, and I think that the defense. I think the defense has been a B, and I think that's all you want if you're Oklahoma State, and they've just kind of let it slip through their fingers.
0: Yeah, and you brought up like they've been putting horrible, been put in horrible spots. Yeah. throughout this entire season by the offense, even, and this is forgotten, but remember the McNeese State game, just the horrible field position that they started with. And they just kept getting stops. I mean, I know it's McNeese State, but like they've been put in bad spots almost all year and have played well in those bad spots. Now, did, did they collapse in the second half against Texas Tech? Of course they did. And is there a sliding grading scale with the defense versus the offense based on the history of OSU football? Absolutely. Is that in fair?
1: And the Big 12.
0: Is, is that fair to the offense? No. But that's, that's just how it is in the Big yeah. 12. All right. So I, I I would agree with you.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay uh, the one that you're looking forward to the most coaching. (laughs) Uh,
0: I mean, I don't, I don't think they've done a good job. Um, I would go, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them an F or even a D I'll go C minus. I think they've, they've obviously found ways to get the ball to their two best players. I mean, Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard are, are off the charts this year. So you have to give them credit for that. Uh, You know, there's only so much a coach can do when their quarterback turns it over five times. I understand that. But most importantly, Kyle, I just, the reason I docked them is just, as I mentioned with the offense, just what are, what are you doing? I mean, Mike Gundy, you hired Sean Gleason and I just have seen nothing in terms of what he ran at Princeton. So what offense are you running and what schemes are you running and why have you not gotten a a legit number two receiver going this far into the season? Uh, just, it just, it's looked very vanilla and the the red zone issues are, are glaring. I just, Mike Gundy said he did not do a good job last year. And most of all, I guess with penalties and stuff and discipline, but this year I feel like they hadn't done a good job offensively and they're not going to win games unless they score more points than they already have. So I, to this point, I mean, you lose to a Texas tech team granted on the road, uh, you're staring down Baylor and Iowa state and then you still have OU on the schedule. I mean, that's, I don't know. that That's, that's a little worrisome. So I, I gotta go, I gotta go C minus.
1: Yeah, I'm a C. I, I think the thing that keeps it honestly a little bit, uh, buoyed for me is, uh, I, I think Jim Knowles has been better. You know, I, I think was it, was it the first half of the, uh, of the Tulsa game where you, you evicted him from his, his home in Stillwater? He was out. Was it then or was it already? It,
0: it was Tulsa. I was up in the press box and he was like in the room next to me and like walked <laughs> through the press box at halftime. And I, he just, at that point in time, like the social media heat was on it. He looked like, you know, dead man walking and then oh, yeah. pushed a, a shutout in the second half. I, and I, he really has done a really good job ever since
1: then. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I thought that criticism was deserved because that's what games. 16 of your of your uh, tenure in Stillwater, and uh, that's a lot of games, and and it doesn't appear that you have figured it out, and yet, um, yeah, since then they've been pretty good, and again, people look at the numbers against Tech, and it's like, well, yeah, if anybody gets 18 possessions, they're going to score some points. I mean, and, and Gundy even said that he said, look, like, what are the numbers if they have a normal amount of possessions, which is which is 14, and uh, I don't know, I I totally agree with him on that.
0: Yeah, I mean I again I I've my biggest criticism in that Tulsa game was I have seen nothing thus far that has been encouraging from the defense cuz things had gotten worse yeah. since Gwen Spencer but since then the Kansas State game was exceptional and um, and let's face it too he hasn't had all of his all of his players he's, he's still without Calvin Bundage who may or may not return this season. And think- uh, he's he's made switches to linebacker, and they've played very well. I mean, he's done a good job th- this year.
1: Do you think Sean Gleason ever, like, checks his microphone up in the press box to make sure it's working?
0: <laughs> no, I, th- I think it works loud and clear, uh, especially the earpiece when Gundy's talking. <laughs> like, that's what I think.
1: Somebody on our – somebody in the chamber, which is the forum – we named the, the forum of our site The Chamber, which is multiple meanings, um, said – he goes, listen, it was like the, it was like the Subruder film breakdown, right? Like you got to listen closely in the second quarter, it, the microphone picks up Gundy saying, we need to run the ball. We need to run the ball. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. Like that's, I don't, that may have happened, but that seems like we're getting pretty, pretty deep down the rabbit hole there. The
0: field mics picked him up. Those, those big boom mics the field, they have down there. The
1: field mics were loud. I heard some F-bombs on, on Saturday that you don't usually hear. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So I I go C for the defense. Uh, no, excuse me, B for the defense, C for the coaching. That's what we're. Yeah. Doing. So um, the
0: defense holds it up at a, at an even C for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Because otherwise, it's I don't know. It's been pretty, uh, pretty uninspiring. Uh, okay, Carson, we've got homecoming. We got a we got a a time. What's your
0: special teams grade?
1: Oh yeah, I forgot to do those. Uh, I don't know. Like I was, I mean, Amendola has been pretty good. I, I he guess has. I, I guess I would go B minus. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I think their coverage teams have been really good. I think that's something that always is is troublesome against Kansas State. And I thought they really covered kicks well, both punts and kickoffs. Obviously, the punt return unit is what it is. They're just going to fair catch it. Um, but Amandola has been good. Hutton has been kind of all over the place in his first season. So I I think that's a fair grade and I'd probably agree with you there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Homecoming game against Baylor uh, kick time announced for 3 PM on big Fox. How about this Carson? If Baylor beats Texas tech at home this weekend, which I think they will, I don't know if Texas tech is, is going to back up an Oklahoma state win with another win over a a big 12 team. Uh, Baylor's going to be Tied for first in the Big 12 with either Texas or OU coming to Stillwater.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I was high on Baylor in the offseason, and they look pretty good. Obviously, they're a good quarterback. I think Matt Rule's proven to be a very good coach. Uh, that was an impressive win for them to go to Manhattan and dominate like they did. I Again, I, I think, is Kansas State flashy? No. Are they a great team? No. But they make life hard on you, yeah. and they went in there and beat them up. So, I think – you know, I, I said before the season too. Like the, the home game against Baylor is a huge swing game for this season, and now it really looks like one, considering they've lost twice. Uh, it, to me, this is this is where you draw the line in the sand between, you know, seven and five and, and nine and three. Right here, this game is absolutely pivotal, and and really, two programs that are kind of you know fighting it out for their spot in the Big Twelve, as the way it's been the last couple years.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, I love the 3 p.m. kick. I think that's I think that's an awesome start time especially for homecoming. I, I think it'll be a really, uh, I think it'll be a cool day. Uh, I'm curious to see the line on the game. Do you think I'll say it's favored? Um, I would say,
0: I would say no. I think Baylor will probably be favored by three.
1: I was going mean, to say, look, I was going to say OSU by three, but who knows? Well, um, that,
0: I mean, to me, this is going to be one of those games where the line comes out and everyone's just kind of like, huh? Like, yeah, like, I could see, like, them making OSU, like, a seven-point favorite, and everyone would be like, huh? And then OSU, because this does, Kyle, like, I had a great tweet, too. Um, I don't have it in front of me. But, like, doesn't this shape up to be, like, you know, everyone's down on OSU. They're an underdog, and this is where Mike Gundy just excels. I think he's 5-2 and two as an underdog uh, you know, straight up since 2017, yeah. like, wouldn't it be so appropriate if they just blow the doors off Baylor? Wouldn't that just sum up how they've, have they've played over the last two or three years?
1: Yeah. It would kind of be frustrating, honestly. I mean, it would be great, but, uh, yeah, it, it would sum up how they've played the last couple of years. So who knows? I mean, a, a lot of that will depend on what, uh, Baylor does against Texas tech this weekend, but. If they win, there's an opportunity for them to be tied with uh, the winner of Texas OU heading to the, kind of the second portion of the uh, of the Big 12 slate, which is pretty crazy. Um, okay, real quick, let's talk a little hoops, Carson. We've got uh, Kyle Boone wrote a, a really cool piece for us on Tuesday, uh, and he went through the five uh, most uh, – what did he say? The five best non-conference games this season. So I, I wanted to get your – just the one you're most excited about. I'll, I'll read through him. His ranking was Oklahoma State Syracuse number one. That's the NIT season tip-off at the end of November. We got Oklahoma State Georgetown. Georgetown coming to, coming to Gallagher-Iba. Patrick Ewing. Mm. It's awesome. We got Oklahoma State Minnesota at the BOK Center in Tulsa. And then we got Oklahoma State A&M as part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And then... Uh, Oklahoma State, Wichita State, December 8th in Gallagher-Iba. Uh, a commenter actually added that uh, Oklahoma State-Houston should be awesome as well because uh, Kellen Sampson, not Kelvin, but Kellen, Kiwanis White, and Hollis Price are all on staff for U of H. Did you know that? I uh, I did. I did not know that.
0: Kelvin's got the band back together down there. Seriously. So
1: w- which of those stands out to you as the one that you're most excited to see? They, they play Houston this year? That's what this commenter said. I don't know. I'll look it up.
0: Um, well, first, my first instinct was I don't like playing Syracuse because I don't want like Syracuse's athletic director eyeballing Mike Boynton, uh, being that he's from Brooklyn, New York. Mm. Like, I, don't, I don't want him anywhere near Syracuse. Uh, he already has a lot of orange in his in his closet. It would be a very easy switch. Uh, you know, if Mike Boynton were to land all these players and, and make a Final Four run, you know that's obviously the the absolute best case scenario. That's total hyperbole. But if something like that were to happen, or if he just gets gets rolling at OSU, like that's a program I would be concerned about coming to get Mike Boynton in Syracuse. Uh, Jim Boeheim's, uh, you know. Does that much time left? That would be a concerning for me, but I, I think I would rank Georgetown coming to Stillwater. I, I love when when big name programs come to Stillwater. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, but you think back to like when Memphis came to Stillwater and Marcus Smart had that that magical game in Gallegariba. Just seeing the seeing the gray uniforms in Stillwater is something I don't think we've ever seen. So that would be uh, that would be my number one.
1: Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, I think. I think Syracuse is pretty cool, just because it's the NIT season tip-off. It's in it's in Brooklyn. Uh, Kyle Boone said there's at least one Hall of Fame caliber coach in this game, and also Jim But Bo- Beheim Bo- Bo- will be in, in attendance, <laughs> which is just a phenomenal line. So I, I think I agree with Kyle that uh, Syracuse is number one. Uh, Oklahoma State does play Houston on December fifteenth in Houston. So Mike Boynton looked at the NCAA a couple years ago and said, you know what? Screw you guys for not letting us in the tournament. We're going to put together a really strong non-conference schedule. And so they go, uh, they go, Oh, are you to open the non-conference? They go Kansas city. It gets stronger. I promise. They go Charleston, <laughs> Yale, Western Michigan. And then they go Syracuse and then either Penn state or Ole miss in the NIT. They go Georgetown at home. They go Wichita State at home. They go at Houston. They go Minnesota and Tulsa, and then they end it with southeastern Louisiana. That's a pretty good non-conference slate, Carson.
0: That's really, really, really good, I would say. Now, obviously, a lot determines how these teams end up shaking out, but just on paper, I don't think the selection committee could could fault him for scheduling. I mean, Syracuse, Wichita State, Houston, like Georgetown. Like- Texas A&M. I don't know how you can do much better than that non-conference wise. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's really good. It's it's really good on him and good on OSU for realizing that. Was it fair they were kept out of the tournament? I didn't think so. That they were deserving, but and I and I thought they were really screwed just on based how those team seasons played out. Some one team had got a bunch of guys get hurt. You know, stuff that's really out of your control, but. This was in their control and, and credit to them for for scheduling up. It, it looks great. This is an awesome non-conference schedule.
1: I'm excited about the Big 12 SEC challenge in 2021 when Cade Cunningham goes to Lexington to take down the team that that uh, originally recruited him.
0: Mm, they go to Kentucky?
1: I don't know. I hopefully.
0: Oh, That'd yeah. That'd be awesome. I guess they would they would pit number 1 versus number 1, wouldn't they? Oh shooting in Kentucky. <laughs>
1: Uh, okay, let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at ChrisUniversitySpirit.com. Carson, uh, I wanted to get your take, uh, and I think we're going to be in agreement here, so it might not be a great radio, but uh, just the uniform, the combination of the year so far. That, that's our, That's going to be our review for this week. I've got, I'll go first. Uh, cause I knew you're going to steal mine. I'm going to go black, black, orange, what they wore against, uh, Kansas state a couple weeks ago. It was, uh, all they've, they've done it. They've done a really good job this year, but that one was, I thought that was special. I thought that was really good. And, uh, like, like you said, like we talked about, I, I would be okay with them going to that more often.
0: Yeah. Like I think if they were to go to a, just a generic home uniform combination, just just keep it black and orange, whether it's black, orange, black, 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 orange, all black. The black and orange together is sensational. So I think, I think black, black, orange is the clear winner to this point. And again, I think they improved the, my favorite helmet, the matte black helmet with the, you know, kind of the, what, what is that, a metallic uh, OSU brand on it? Or what chrome uh, chrome is what I'm thinking of. The chrome brand just takes it up another notch. I would say honorable mention to the the road road uniforms at tulsa with um well with, it was the brand but it had like the patriot peach stripe did it not and they were white jerseys and orange pants i thought that was a an awesome awesome road look as well
1: yeah I, I and even the oregon state look uh in uh in the first game i thought was really good also so they've been they've been on point so far this year i'm excited about Next week's uh, uni preview is going to be tough because we got homecoming. Uh, They always bust out something that's kind of throwback-y for homecoming, so uh, that should be interesting. Um, Okay, let's let's talk about mid-first again. Mid-first Bank, offering the ultimate game day experience. Each swipe of your OSU credit or debit card, Carson, is another entry into the ultimate game day experience. You can enter to win now, uh, between now and October 31st. Here's what's at stake. Two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November. Hopefully those games are still meaningful in November. Um, (laughs) You got a gift basket at stake. You got $500 cash. So pretty cool stuff that uh, MidFirst Bank is offering for uh, OSU credit card or debit card users. All you have to do to enter to win is swipe your card. So uh, go and do that. And uh, maybe you'll get uh, VIP tickets to an OSU game in November.
0: Love it. Hopefully those games do are meaningful. And I was wrong on the uh, helmet. At Tulsa, there was the Patriot Pete helmet itself. No brand. Mm. Just Patriot Pete.
1: So I was wrong on that. I, I didn't even I didn't even catch you on that. Um, yeah. Okay, so Carson, homecoming in hoops next weekend. Uh, there's going to be a dunk contest. And Marshall Scott reported that uh, apparently Markel Brown and Tiffany Bias are the judges for this dunk contest, which is going to be – hilarious and awesome and i appreciate that mike boyden is embracing the whole thing but here's my question if you were to pick five all-time oklahoma state players to compete in a hypothetical dunk contest where they were e- they each got to be the like the their their self and their primes right who are your five and, and we can go back and forth we can go you can give me one i'll give you mine and then and and trade it back and forth
0: can can Markel Brown compete in this, by the way? I mean he would, he's still, no, he's still playing. It,
1: it wouldn't be fair. He would destroy
0: everybody. Yeah, you're right. He's got to just be a judge. It's like when they got, you know, they got Dominique Wilkins on the panel. He could probably still dunk, but <laughs> you don't want him dunk <laughs> test. Well, I think you gotta start with, with Markel, the aforementioned Markel Brown. I think he's probably the one B to Desmond Mason's one A. So I think you gotta start with those two. Those are the two best dunkers and in school history. Yeah. A guy who's just perennial, perennially underrated as a dunker at OSU and myself included as underrated him back when I think you posted the top, the top dunkers at Oklahoma state on your blog several years ago. Uh, Tony Allen was remarkably yeah. like he had some unbelievable, like it's easy to forget now cause he played in the league for so long and was just kind of a defensive player, but man, he was elite at dunking in college. So maybe him in his prime, would be my third uh number four I'm gonna go Barry Sanders <laughs> did you see the video that was circulating on I Twitter? did
1: I almost posted it it was so good
0: it was unbelievable he's 5'8 and like made that look like so easy and like the shorter the guys are the better they are at dunk contests because it yeah. just looks cooler yeah for sure so I think if Barry like threw one between his legs he'd probably he'd probably beat Desmond and, and Markel um and I I like I like Melvin Sanders too. Oh, I didn't even think about Melvin. That's pretty good. He would be ferocious. Um actually, you know what? As much as I love Melvin, I, I have to go Joey Graham. Yeah. I think he would be able to do uh some some unique things, being how just how big he is.
1: Well he, he yeah, he gets into the problem though that he's like almost too big where you're like yeah, of course he can do that. It's like if, if Porzingis, if, if like Giannis was in the dunk contest, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, he's like nine feet tall. Like
0: well, Dwight, Dwight Howard did pretty well in the dunk contest yeah, back then. That's the day. true. So that's true. You can, you can kind of do your own thing. It looked different, but uh, I think, I think Joey's probably more deserving than Melvin as much. As I love Melvin.
1: Yeah. Joey had some, Joey had some nasty ones. Uh, okay. I went, I mean, Markel and Mason are shoe ins. Uh, what would you say if I said Daniel Bobbitt should be in it? He
0: could throw it down. He dunked on some (laughs) poor soul. I remember that one-handed dunk he had. Uh, But I would, I would question that pick.
1: Yeah, he's not my top five. Uh, I would go uh, Janava Weatherspoon. He he fits the the Barry category of like, wait a second, is he like five nine? And he's like, (laughs) he's like, you know, throwing down on guys. Um, So I would have him in it. I think he'd be awesome in that sort of format. Uh, I would go Richard Dumas throw it back to the early 90s late 80s whenever he was there he was unbelievable that was one for the olds that was one the olds don't like it when we when we holler at them about terry miller (laughs) um (laughs) did you get any any feedback from your dad on that is he is he upset about the terry miller thing
0: i haven't heard back from him on the terry miller thing i'll ask him about it though and i'll (laughs) I'll let him chime in for the olds He, then, he watched him for sure
1: And then my last one This one's a little underground And you give me a hard time Because I love this guy He was, he was an amazing dunker Was uh, Tory Johnson
0: <laughs> You love you some Tory Johnson I do
1: He was so good do, Like if you get to claim Gerald Green I'd throw him in there too Get the cupcake I almost going. threw him
0: in I almost threw him in Because he, he could win this thing I'd, too. Like to
1: see, I'd like to see Gerald Green Against Markel Brown like right now
0: I would too, and to your Tory Johnson point, like he's just a forgotten player because I think he he got booted early on in his career. But like when I hear the term like bunnies, like that's him. Like he had just <laughs> he had like springs. Like he made he was the guy that like on like alley oops he had to like duck under the rim to avoid hitting his head yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like with just two, with two handed dunks, he was he was just he was an awesome dunker. Just in the short time we got to watch him.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Carson and I are going on—we're uh, going on almost ninety minutes straight of podcasting. We did a we did a golf podcast together, so we're uh, we're we're wearing down. But uh, <laughs> we're going to hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back and wrap things up with one interesting thing. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986. And proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at ChrisUniversitySpirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, what do you got for one interesting thing?
0: Yeah, like we've we've harped on the job that that Mike Gundy's done all week with the Texas Tech loss and just this season. I just kind of want to reiterate like my stance on Mike Gundy. Like he is an elite coach. He's turned Oklahoma State into a perennial top 15 program. And I it's it was interesting too like OU played Kansas and OSU played Texas Tech. So it got me thinking about Um, you know, I had to drive up to Lawrence, so I had a lot of time to think, (laughs) but I thought about, you know, Kansas thought they were smarter than they were by firing Mark Mangino. They just, when a coach has been at a place for a certain amount of time, programs just get antsy and think they can do better than what they have. And since they fired Mark Mangino, who won the orange bowl, by the way, at Mm. Kansas, they've turned into one of the worst power five programs in the country, Texas tech got tired of dealing with Mike Leach they used the whole Craig James son incident as just a reason to get rid of him because they were tired of him and they he won nine games his last season at tech they haven't approached nine wins since and so like when we talk about Mike Gundy at OSU like I think it's easy for people to to just think that they could bring someone else in and they would do better or at the same as Mike Gundy Like Oklahoma State could very easily be Texas, be Texas Tech right now. It it would be super easy when Mike Gundy's gone. So that that's a concern for me for OSU. Like obviously Mike Holder's proven he's a good he's a good evaluator of coaches, and he certainly has his ducks more in a row than say a Texas Tech, or you know look at USC. I mean that's a pro that's USC over there struggling with the, the hire that they've made. So I, I just want to point out that Mike Gundy has elevated OSU to a level they've never been, and he's won ten games, so many six of the last nine years, whatever it is. So I'm, I would never advocate OSU getting rid of Mike Gundy, but I, I do think it's interesting to point out that when he goes, like it can go the other way pretty easily just because like it did at Texas Tech who was rolling with Mike Leach or yeah. a Kansas who was rolling with Mark Mangino.
1: Yeah, I think it would be interesting to look at sort of the uh, continuity of leadership at some of these schools because Oklahoma State's had a real legitimate continuity of leadership with Burns Hargis, with Mike Holder. And and I mean, you could even throw Boone Pickens in there uh, and then Gundy. And I think that when you have that continuity of leadership, even when you do get rid of your football coach or your football coach retires or whatever, the transition is easier I think than if you don't have that continuity of leadership. And I think you've seen some of that at these other schools. So hopefully whenever that does happen, you know, and I know my Holder won't be the AD forever, but it seems like they've got a plan in place there as well. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think people would point it at Georgia, right. And be like, well, it could go the other way too. You could get better. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe, but it's such a weird catch 22 with Gundy though, right? Like it's almost a, it's almost unique nationally because there's not really another program where that coach wouldn't jump at a like top 10 job if offered like Gundy apparently has been, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird, unique deal that you, it, it's hard to point to other schools and be like, see, that's what will happen because I don't think this is a situation that's like any other school.
0: No, that's fair. And I, I certainly think the the athletic department and the universities in far better shape in terms of the leadership like you mentioned. Yeah. Like because I mean Bill Haston did report recently, I think last week, that Mike Holder appears to be wanting to stay a little longer and, and Chad Weiberg's still waiting in the wings to, to take over. And I think they'll be in great shape whether it's Holder or Weiberg. So yeah, uh, to sure. your point I, I would agree with that too. But but I will say, like, for everyone that, you know, the, and i I certainly know it's a, a very small minority of people that would want to get rid of gundy, obviously, but for those people like it can it can go it can go bad, yeah, really, and you can not recover for a decade, yeah, like Texas Tech for sure
1: uh okay, so this was my one interesting thing, Carson uh, this is gundy talking about Spencer Sanders advancing on from Texas Tech. This was on Tuesday night during a media availability he said, and this isn't super like uh in. Surprising, but I just thought it was interesting that he talked about it. He said he needs to take care of the he needs to take care of the football in the pocket. That will solve half his problems. We're going to coach that and drill that. We have a plan in place to correct that mistake. Essentially, you don't give yourself a chance at all when you turn the ball over in the pocket. Those mechanics need to be improved, and we have a plan in place for that as well. Can we do it in two weeks? I don't know, but I feel like a month from now it will be a lot better. That'll be a big help in that area. So I I think that he's talking about. Um just holding on to the ball, not fumbling, right?
0: Yeah, not fumbling and just not panicking and when the pocket collapses, I think too.
1: And I think I think when you when you look at what happened on Saturday, we pointed at the three picks, three picks, three picks. And it's like just if you just hold on to the ball, you, you might have a chance to win that game, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, I, I just – I thought it was interesting that Gundy – Gundy, like, didn't seem frustrated at all by the picks. Like, he was talking about how uh, the offensive line breaks down and, like, just stuff happens, but it's it's the fumbling. That's, that's where the frustration comes in, and that's where I think Sanders has a lot of opportunity to uh, – I mean, obviously, to improve, and that's where Gundy wants to see improvement over the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think Gundy's been somewhat surprisingly – non-critical of Sanders like he was (laughs) remember how critical he was a Mason yes that's what
1: I was just gonna say
0: like he I think he knows that you know he's a young quarterback he doesn't want to hurt his psyche and I think he's kind of been not like I I can't think of the word but he's been a lot lighter on him than I expected him to be especially in in the post game after after Texas Tech
1: yeah for sure kid gloves is a is a phrase that uh well, he's, Mason he's would, got
0: three boys. You know, he's, he's, he's a dad. He knows how to handle this yeah, but Mason when they, when they would, act up.
1: Mason would throw for like 450 and four touchdowns. He'd be like, yeah, he was fine. He was good. What average. Yeah, he was average. I have to look at the tape. <laughs> we got to add that to the bingo card. Oh, okay. speaking
0: of, before we get out, like when I was making our intro for the pod, I had to look up, you know, just I was looking through so many old press conferences waiting for back at it. I never realized this, but like almost every single Monday press conference, Gundy will say pretty much what I thought in post game, or pretty much what I said in post game. Like he's pretty much nailed every post game press conference ever had because he, he he basically says he watched the film and is exactly the same as what he said before yeah, watching the film. I don't film.
1: even need to watch film; just everything I said is is is
0: correct. Well, he needs to just start saying that in post game because clearly he nails it every time. He doesn't need to look at the film. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's so good. Okay, Carson. Great stuff today. Everybody check out the First Cut podcast, my golf podcast that uh, Carson and I got to do together today. And we will be back. Oh, you're going to Dallas? You're coming down here this weekend, aren't you? I'm going
0: to OU, Texas. Awesome. I will be down there for that. So it's uh, it's going to be an insane game. I guess the weather's going to be in like the 60s. I can't wait.
1: It's been cool. It's been awesome. I love it. It's uh, supposed to be like
0: 30 degrees in Oklahoma on Friday. Whew. That's yeah. a little too cold. So but, I'm heading uh, south.
1: Yeah, eat some fried Oreos. I think my fam is headed to the fair on Thursday or Friday, so uh, we'll miss you, but uh, enjoy your trip, and we'll be back next week to uh, chat about Oklahoma State Baylor. Sounds good. Talk to you soon.